You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Way to kind of get you plugged in. Now, throughout the series, we've kind of been focusing on that word recovery and celebrate recovery. And we've kind of taken each letter through the series and we've kind of talked about the, the eight steps of recovery. And um, we've kind of taken each letter and kind of talked about what that letter represents. And the letter R, and we kind of call that the first step, it's the, the reality step. And that's where we kind of realize I am not God. I'm powerless to control my tendency to do wrong things uh, in my life. And apart from Christ, my life is completely unmanageable. And that is true of every one of us in this room. The letter E in recovery, we call that the hope step. That stands for earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to God that my life matters to him, and he and he alone has the power and the plan to help me recover. The letter C in recovery, we call this the commitment step. This is where we consciously choose uh, to commit all of our life and will to Christ's care and control. The fourth step, uh, we call that the house cleaning step. That's the letter O in recovery, and that stands for openly, and I would say honestly, examining our lives, confessing our faults, our sins to God, acknowledging those to ourselves, and then sharing that with another person that we trust. The fifth step, we call this the transformation step. That's the letter V in recovery. And that stands for voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make in my life and humbly, and again, that, that humility is so key, humbly ask him to remove my character defects. The sixth step, the letter E in recovery, stands for evaluate all my relationships to be able to forgive those that have hurt me and to also make amends to those I have hurt and again to um, uh, offer restitution um, except when to do so maybe would harm them or others. The seventh step uh, in that, we call that the maintenance step, the letter R, that stands for uh, reserve a time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and gain the power to do it. And again, this is the step of how you maintain your recovery. And we're going to talk about this step here this morning. What can you do to ensure that you do not lose progress in overcoming hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life. Now, this step is kind of based upon uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 38, and it says this, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is willing, but the flesh, our body, is weak. The fact is, change Growth, spiritual maturity are not easy. The road to recovery is oftentimes anything but smooth. Every one of us in this room 
have achieved certain victories over certain areas of our lives, and eventually we kind of find ourselves falling back into those same self-defeating problems over and over again. Hebrews chapter one kind of refers to this as the sin that so easily entangles us. How many of you kind of resonate with that? There are certain sins you kind of just get over quickly. There are other sins that, that just seem to kind of trip you up over and over and over again. And every one of us in this room have that sin that so easily trips us up or entangles us. Now again, others will kind of maybe refer to that uh, phrase there in Hebrews 12 as relapse. And again, it's the overeater, you know, who, who kind of changes their diet, loses all the weight, and then six months down the road, they regain all of that weight and more. It's the gambler who kind of goes back to the casino. It's the workaholic who just fills up his schedule once again, ignoring spouse and family. It's the controller who kind of returns to their controlling ways. It's the alcoholic who starts drinking again. And again, we tend to repeat the patterns of our past. It's very easy to slip back into old hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But the Bible gives us the hope that it doesn't need to be this way. So let's talk about relapse or falling back into those sins that so easily entangle us. And I want you to understand one thing. It's usually a very predictable pattern. One of the first things you will encounter in relapse is complacency. This often occurs when we start getting comfortable with short-term gains. Oh man, I've been doing so great these last couple of months and we kind of just begin to let our guard down. That's, that's that first step of complacency. It starts by saying, I don't really need any more help. My pain has been reduced. It's not eliminated, it's not gone, but it's certainly much more manageable. I don't need any more outside help. I don't need the support or encouragement of others. I don't really need a support group. I don't need a prayer group. I don't need a counselor. I can manage this from here on out on my own. And again, you become complacent. And one of the ways that complacency creeps in is when we revert back to our own strength. We depend upon our abilities, our willpower instead of depending solely on God's strength, his ability, and his power. Galatians 3.3 makes this observation, and I think it's an astute observation. It says, how can you be so foolish? You began by God's spirit. Do you now want to finish on your own power? Again, you start off with step one. You realize I'm not God and that I need him and without him, my life is unmanageable. Step two is acknowledging that God and God alone, he is the only one that has the power to save us and to free us. Step three is where we kind of are just giving all of our hurts, our habits, our hangups, and letting God make those changes in our life. 
But again, as you kind of begin to work through those steps, there just comes a time. And, and, and it happens to all of us. And it's why we need each other. But there just comes a time where you kind of just begin thinking, I'm the one doing all of this. I mean, this is basically me doing this. I'm the one that's changing all of my issues. It's really more a matter of my strength, my willpower, my abilities. And again, we revert back to depending on ourselves rather than totally relying on God. And once you do that, it's just a matter of time before you're going to end up right back where you were or worse. You have a few successes and all of a sudden we kind of just think, oh, we're all powerful, we're all knowing, we can handle anything and everything, bring it on. It's like the middle-aged woman that went to New York City, goes up to the 23rd floor of an apartment. She knocks on the door and this beautiful lady opens the door. There's just incense kind of waffling out into the hallway. There's music playing. She's wearing a sari and she's clapping little bells. And she says, are you here to see the great Begone? The one who knows all, sees all, tells all, understands all, is everything and is in ultimate control. The middle-aged woman looked at him and replied, tell Robert his mother's here to see him. Every one of us in this room, we need someone to tell us we're Robert. We need someone that says, hey, Jeff, who are you kidding? Who do you think you are? You're not fooling anyone. I know who you are. And again, what a lot of us have come to discover is God will let you relapse and relapse and relapse and relapse until you come to the place, the realization, you cannot, you will not be able to do this on your own. And he's just going to let you keep failing until, again, you realize that you can't do it without him until you come to the end of yourself and you say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Only God and God alone has the power to help us fully and finally overcome all of our hurts, our habits, and our hangups. And if you're thinking, I'll just try harder, you're only setting yourself up for failure so you become complacent. Next step is confusion. We go from complacency into confusion. This is where you kind of start rationalizing and saying things like, well, maybe I wasn't really so bad after all. I mean, maybe I'm making the problem a much bigger deal than it really is. And you kind of start forgetting how bad the problem really was. Or you're, you may be tempted to start beginning to ignore one or several of the essential steps in your recovery. Or we kind of get in a hurry and we don't take the time to properly walk through and work through um, each step. Um, or we kind of just decide, yeah, I'm going to skip that step. I don't like that step. It's too painful. It's too difficult. 
And we tell ourselves, I'll just uh, skip the step where it talks about making amends to other people. You know, I know it says to do that, but I don't want to do that. No, you need to do all the steps or it doesn't work. So then you go from complacency to confusion to compromise. And again, you go back to the place of temptation. I have seen this more times than I care to see. And this is people who will make great progress in dealing with their issues, only to go back into the same environment and the same people that triggered all of that stuff in the past. They kind of go back thinking, hey, I'm stronger now. I can withstand that temptation. I can be around those people. I can be in that place. It just doesn't have the effect on me anymore. And so they'll start flirting with risky behavior and they'll go to the places that got them addicted in the first place. It's like the gambler who says, let's go to Las Vegas. We'll only go to see the shows. Or the drug addict who starts hanging around the same people and places that got him hooked the last time. You start compromising. You tell yourself, well, I got well on my own. I don't need other people's help. I'm not going to go to counseling. I'm not going to go to celebrate recovery. I'm not going to go to small group. And you just begin compromising, and eventually you're going to relapse. I love what Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 9, says, Two are better than one, because if one of them falls down, the other is there to help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad, because there's no one to help him up. And again, one of the most common mistakes I think people make in recovery is when we're trying to recover on our own, by ourselves, without the help, support, and encouragement of others. It's like driving your car on the interstate at 65 miles an hour. You can take your hands off of the steering wheel, and chances are your car isn't going to crash immediately, but at some point, it's going to crash we all need the help, the support, and encouragement and prayers of other people. We cannot compromise on any of the steps to recovery because once we do, then eventually comes collapse. Complacency, confusion, compromise, and ultimately we end up at collapse. And that's where you're completely given over back into the old patterns old habits, the old hurts that were once dominating your choice and your life. And you need to understand that the collapse, that is not the relapse. In most cases, the relapse started much sooner. And one of the issues that undermines us throughout each of these steps, I'm just gonna tell you right now, is the issue of pride. We get overconfident, we get very, very self-dependent, and we say, I'm strong. I got this habit defeated. I've forgiven that person. I don't need a sponsor. I can take this and handle it on my own. Proverbs 16, 18 is, again, a great reminder of the consequences of pride. Pride goes before destruction. It is so essential to recovery 
that we always, 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 always stay in the place of humility throughout the entire process. It's like the saying goes, you must stay humble or you'll stumble. The person who gets too big for their britches will eventually get exposed in the end. How many of you remember clear back in May of 1987, there was a teenage aviator. His name was Matthias Rust. And he flew a private plane from Helsinki, Finland, and he landed it in the Kremlin, the Red Square, without authorization. The most heavily guarded airspace in the world, and a teenager flies right into it. Now, I want you to understand that is a parable of life. What it says is your greatest weakness is often an unguarded area. You say, I've got it all together. Beware, as 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you are standing, watch out, lest you fall. Oh, my marriage would never fall apart. Watch out. I'd never get addicted to anything. Be careful. Because the very area you think you're the strongest in is unguarded, and that's where a plane's going to fly in and land right in the middle of it. So how do we prevent relapse? Remember, step seven is what we call the maintenance step. And that letter R in recovery stands for reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, for Bible reading, for prayer, in order to know God, to know his will for my life, and gain the power to do it. It's not just being a hearer of the word, but it's being a doer of the word. It's applying it. So let me share with you really, really quickly three safeguards that can go a long way in helping you maintain your recovery. First safeguard is evaluation. Lamentations 340 says, let us examine ourselves and let us repent. And again, it's just examining, taking inventory, identifying those places where you need to repent and repent. So what should we evaluate and examine? Let me give you four areas to evaluate. First, physically. Ask yourself the question, what is your body telling you? Your body is a barometer of what's happening inside you. How many of you maybe have tense muscles? Maybe you're under some form of stress. Maybe you have a headache or a backache. Again, what is your body telling you? Your body is equipped with a warning system that's telling you something is wrong. So again, we need to pay attention, be in tune to what is your body telling you and heed any warnings that your body may be telling you something is out of line. Are you tired? Are you uh, stressed? Are you anxious? Again, listen to what your body is telling you. Second is emotionally. What am I feeling right now? Am I allowing my real feelings to surface or am I just pushing them down with denial? And again, I don't, I don't think of feelings as necessarily right or wrong. They just are what they are. And they are there to reveal 
what is going on inside of you emotionally. So pay attention to what your emotions are telling you. And when we are experiencing negative or toxic feelings, again, it's always a good time to just stop and do a heart check. And that H is, am I hurting? If you're hurting and won't admit it and deal with it, again, it's gonna mess with you. E is, am I exhausted? A is, am I angry? R is, is there anybody I resent? Is there somebody that I need to forgive? T is, am I tense? Am I anxious? Am I worrisome? Am I fearful? Third is, relationally. Am I at peace with everyone? Is there somebody that I need to go to and, and ask for their forgiveness? Again, if you're not, that kind of conflict, it's gonna keep you down. It's gonna hold you back. And again, when we know that there are problems but refuse to deal with those uh, relational issues, again, that is denial. And I've said this often, and I'll say it again. Wherever two or more gather together, there's going to be conflict. Inevitable, there's going to be conflict. It may not be right away. It may be a, a month, a year down the road. When you're in relationship with people, you're going to say dumb things. You're going to do dumb things. And, and there's just going to come conflict. That's just a part of life. That's a part of being in relationship with people. And sadly, we live in a world where more and more people are ill-equipped to deal with conflict in healthy, productive ways. And the consequences of this are everywhere. I don't like conflict. Like a lot of you, I, I don't like it. But I like unresolved conflict even less because unresolved conflict can take molehills and transform them into mountains. Fourth is spiritually. Am I relying on God? Am I fully, solely relying on God? Moment by moment, situation by situation, relationship by relationship, am I fully relying and dependent on God? John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, had a question he would often ask others, and it was this, are you going on to perfection? Now, I'll be honest with you, I kind of always struggled with that question because the word perfection kind of um, implies a sense of being flawless or faultless. And who could ever attain that status for long? Recently in one of my devotions, it was talking about the word perfection and the writer gave this thought. He said, rather than thinking of perfection as being faultless or flawless, he said, Think of perfection as a sense of fullness. I liked that. So rather than asking, are you going on to perfection? Ask instead, are you going on to fullness? Are you going on to more and more fullness with God? Are you fuller of God now than you salmon? What's I like that. So you evaluate, you kind of examine what's going on in your life, you recognize, you celebrate those victories, the positive things in your life, as well as confess your faults and failures, and you continue with God's help, again, to work at recovery from your hurts, habits, and hangups. Second safeguard um, helpful in our recovery is meditation. Meditation is a good, solid 
biblical word that really has been co-opted by a lot of other people and religions. Meditation, biblical meditation, simply means this. Slowing down long enough to hear God. Slowing down long enough to hear God. Not God hear you, that's important, but meditation is slowing down long enough to hear what God is saying to you. That's all it is. Excessive busyness stifles recovery and spiritual growth. Busyness stifles recovery and spiritual growth. And I'll tell you what, the enemy, Satan, he will fight nothing harder in our lives than this area. Making sure you do not slow down long enough, consistently enough to be with God. And Satan has three main tools to keep that from happening. Noise, crowds, and hurry. Noise, crowds, and hurry. Those three things will keep you from hearing God on a personal level. Listen to these powerful words and promise from Psalm 1, beginning with verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. The key to spiritual growth and maturity is to have roots that go down deep enough into God's word. And the way you get roots to go down deep in God's word is you got to meditate on it. You got to seriously think about what is this saying and what am I called to do about it or with it. It's applying God's wisdom to your life in practical ways. That's meditation. What exactly is this particular word in Scripture saying to me? And how can I apply it and walk it out in my life? And again, when we do that, God's promise to us is is that we will become trees planted along the riverbank, that we're going to bear fruit in each season of our lives. Our leaves are not going to wither, and we are going to prosper in everything we do. That's walking and living in recovery. And when we're doing that, I'll tell you what, you're going to be a lot less likely to relapse. So how do we meditate on God's word? Listen to Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. How do you hide God's word in your heart? You do that by memorizing scripture. As you think about God's word and you begin to memorize key principles, promises, and verses, the Bible says as you're hiding that in your heart, it's going to keep you from sinning. It holds you back. It keeps you back from relapse. You want to avoid temptation? You just begin to think about God's word to meditate on it. The third safeguard we have to help prevent relapse is prayer. And prayer is doing whatever God can do. 
Prayer can do whatever God can do. In fact, it's how we plug into God's power. And God invites each and every one of us to pray about any need and every need we have. And one of the things we know about God is he is a loving father who delights in doing good things for his children. For some of you, God is the father you never had but wished you did. And you can come to God with any and every need you have in life. He's made a way possible for every one of us to come to him with any need. It can be a financial need, a relational need, an emotional need, a spiritual need. Doesn't matter what it is. God invites us. He beckons us to come to him and share with him our every need, regardless of how big or small, how possible or impossible that may feel to you right now. Pastor and author Chuck Swindoll shared the story about a lady who had 12 children. And even though she didn't get married and start having children until she was 31 years old, and she said up until that point when she got married that she never worried about getting married or having children. She just kept laying that in the Lord's hands. She just kept praying about that. And she just kept trusting that in time, God was going to hear and answer her prayer. However, she said that every night as she prayed and trusted, she hung a pair of men's pants on the end of the bed. And she would kneel down there at the bed and she would pray this prayer. Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a man. <laughs> now Chuck Swindoll shared that story with uh, his church one Sunday morning. And he saw a man sitting there laughing. But his teenage boy seated next to him was not laughing at all. And Swindoll said about four weeks later, he got a letter from the mother of that teenage boy. And it said, Pastor Chuck, I don't know if this is serious or not. I was just wondering what you thought about it because every night when my son goes to bed, he hangs a bikini at the end of the bed. <laughs> Prayer can do what God can do. So how do we pray? Notice these words from Jesus in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 8. For your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Some of you just need to stop this morning and absorb that. You just need that truth to wash over you this morning. You may be here in great need Little need, no need. The truth of this scripture is your heavenly father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. This is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. I want you to notice a couple of things 
about what we call the Lord's Prayer. First, I want you to notice the word how. And this is how you should pray. Now, I want you to notice it says how you should pray, not what you should pray. This is a model to be used when we pray. It's not a ritual to be prayed. That's why I don't do the Lord's Prayer uh, here very often on Sunday mornings. Because it's there to show us how to pray. It's not what we pray. You'll see a couple of verses earlier there in Matthew 6. Jesus cautions us against praying vain repetitions, repeating the same prayer over and over and over that it begins to lose its meaning. The prayer Jesus gives us there in Matthew 6, it is a model, not a ritual. This is not what you should pray, but rather it's how you should pray. The other interesting thing is, is if you look at that prayer, you'll notice all of the recovery steps we've been talking about in this series are found there. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That's the same thing as realizing, I realize you are God and I am not. That's step one and two. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's step five in recovery. Give us today the food we need. That's step three. And forgive us our sins. That's step four. As we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. That's step six. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's a prayer against relapse. That's the step we're talking about today. Recovery is as old as the Lord's prayer. Jesus Christ gave us the principles by which we can find full recovery from life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And as I've said throughout this series, you matter to God. You really do. Your life matters to him. Your recovery matters to him. And he has all of the powers, the desires, the ability, the strength to set you free from all of the entanglements of our sins, our failures, our mistakes, and our faults. And as I said oftentimes before, if God can set you free, baby, he can keep you free. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to just end again. Uh, we've been doing this now for a while. I kind of like it. I'm going to just do a, a prayer of consecration. And again, if you're comfortable, you don't have to do this. And don't do this because I do this. Don't do this because your neighbor does this. Do this because you feel led to do this this morning. And again, one of the ways that we can surrender ourselves to God is simply by just opening our hands before him. So if, if you're comfortable doing that this morning, uh, I just would invite you uh, to join me as we pray this prayer of consecration together out loud. If you want to put your hands out in front of you, feel free to do that again. Uh, don't do it because I'm doing it. Just do it because you feel like that's what God's wanting you to do. And let's just pray this together. Father God, you are holy. We join those who are gathered around your throne in heaven as they cry out saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who forever was, who is, and who forever will be. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. 
What you open, Father God, no one can close, and what you close, no one can open. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous deeds have been revealed. You are the God who restores, redeems, heals, and forgives. Nothing is too difficult for you. Father God, I thank you that according to your word, I shall prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. I have the mind of Christ and desire to have the thoughts and desires of his heart. I trust in you, Lord, and love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways I acknowledge you, knowing you shall make my path straight. I consecrate and submit myself to your word, which exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of my heart. I refute every argument, theory, reasoning, and every proud and lofty thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I take every thought captive and bring it under the obedience of Christ. Father God, transform me through the renewing of my mind using your word that I may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your word, Lord, shall not depart out of my mouth, but I shall meditate on it day and night that I may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then I will be like a tree planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. My leaves will never wither, and I will prosper in all I do. Father, I realize my helplessness in saving myself, and I glory in what Christ Jesus has done for me. I let go of all confidence in myself and my strength and ability, and lean wholly upon you, Lord, for my all. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I know that I am not yet perfected. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.